Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. Actually, tonight's show is formally called The Buck Stops Here, sponsored by Buck Sanitary Service. Scott and Lisa Weld own the company. Uh, they sponsor two or three shows a month, depending on what I want to do. And they don't worry about the content. They don't always agree with me, but they always believe that people should have a voice. Um, I think they agree with this content tonight. This is a conversation that um, I've wanted to do and have for a long time. Um, I've had people in the community who've uh, tried to encourage me to do it. Um, but to be really honest, I don't think the timing was right. And now with all the cancel culture going on in our communities and and people um, jumping on that, um, I think the timing is right. And I also wanted to find um, somebody that I really trusted to do this with. And, um, you know, so I found him and it's Isaiah Wagner. <laughs> there he is. And uh, you guys might recognize Isaiah because he was the guy uh, during the riots in Eugene who was trying to... Um, encourage the white rioters not to damage property because it was sending the wrong message. Isaiah? Hi, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, definitely the white, white, I mean, the, there was, there were some uh, black people out there as well. Um, but yes, that is, uh, that's pretty much what my role was, was to um, keep things peaceful, keep the message to where we wanted it to be for, for change and not for uh, destruction taxes. So you, you and I have agreed that um, we're just going to have a really honest conversation. And so the, it, it, I, you, we both get to ask each other anything we want. And um, obviously, I'm a white guy. And obviously, you are, well, I guess it's not obvious, but you are black, Latino, and white. Um, but you uh, have grown up with being seen as a person of color. And um, I tell you... I was talking to Isaiah earlier today. I said, God, I'm kind of nervous about this because the way people are, they're so quick to jump on something and hammer you over the head with it. So why don't you kind of start the conversation where you want to take it? Because I think for far too long, white people have tried to make this conversation theirs. And I think we need to be a part of the conversation, but I think you need to lead it. Sure, sure. You know, uh, race in America, uh, it's something that's, that is uh, a train that hasn't died down, slowed down uh, by any means or stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that oftentimes people look at the movement from the 60s with Martin Luther King and um, most of the, I should say, most of the black activists that were calling for change uh, because too many years we were beaten, bruised, battered um, and, and treated like uh, fifth class citizens in the, the country we, we uh, initially built. And so um, uh, people look at that as, as a step of you, you have equal rights now, you have this and, and, and the conversation ends there, just kind of like the buck stops there. Right. Uh, what more do you want? And what we're seeing time and time again is that most, mo uh, most of these things uh, that we were wanting when it came to racial inequality hasn't, uh, or racial equality hasn't changed much since the 60s. And uh, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the stuff that we're seeing in, in the news or in front of our very eyes or the stuff that kind of goes uh, swept under the rug when it comes to, uh, you know, Rodney King, and, uh, Elijah McClain and 
uh, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. So that's why uh, there's been this uprising, if you will, uh, to for not necessarily for black Americans, because we've always had the uprising, but to try to wake up our counterparts uh, or or what, what people think are or should say that are our equals, which is um, the white community. Because you still you still don't feel safe going out. I mean, you have to think about it, right? When you're going out of the house. I hear this from other friends of mine in the black community is like where I would never think twice about walking out or what's going to what could happen or if a police I see a police or something. I think he may give me a ticket, but I'm not worried about anything else. So let me let me uh, make sure that I'm coming from the correct point of view. I don't want to uh, misinterpret or misrepresent the black community in any way. I'm not here to speak for all African-Americans by any stretch of the imagination. I am a mixed man. So I have a different view on how I grew up uh, versus how someone who is more darker skinned of how they've grown up. I've seen multiple different experiences and heard multiple different stories of how people are treated in certain instances. And I know that being a mixed man is, uh, like I said, coming from my own uh, eyes, it's, it's been tough because there's been times that I'm, I'm not black enough and there's been times I'm not white enough. And um, it, it, for the mixed community, it's really hard to figure out where we uh, kind of, uh, where we lie in America. Where you know where where our racial bed is, because uh, you know if I'm not since I'm not Shaka Zulu color, I, I, I sometimes people don't think I should have this platform, and since uh, you know since I'm not of light complexion, I, I don't get that 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 privilege that that we talk about with white privilege in America. So, do so, but no, I don't I don't feel personally uh, afraid when I go out. I don't think any person of, of God. And I don't want to bring all religions, but anybody that is a, a man of faith or a woman of faith, they don't really fear uh, that necessarily that they're going to to uh, get hit over the head to die. It's just more or less that we feel that black people of color uh, have been walking around with a death sentence uh, or on death row for too long, meaning that when is our time called? Because we are a person of color and we're seen as a threat. So do people then then people of color um, judge based the lighter you are, then is that? Absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want anybody to come on here and say that that's not, that's not the case because uh, it just kind of all depends on your situation. You know, here, I'm definitely a black man. Uh, in places like St. Louis, where I've lived, places like uh, Trenton, New Jersey, uh, different places around America, um, Little Rock, Arkansas, I've, I've been, I've been judged. I've been a different color. I've been, uh, you know, I'm an Oreo or I'm Milano or I, I'm, I'm all these different type of things. And so, and even the way I speak, some people look at me, Oh, he talks like a white man, you know? So it's just, there's so much back and forth when it comes to people who are mixed. It's really tough for us to figure out where we find ourselves in this whole stew of, of America. So Adam Edwards says, what top three types of equality do you think need improvement first? Um, I, I would definitely say that uh, black people want more land. We want more land. We want more um, more funding. Uh, it, it's tough to get get funding. You know, that, that's why they have a thing called uh, funding for African-American businesses. I mean, they have to they have to separate that for a reason. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, 
I, I, what I try to explain to people is that you have so many years upon us to build up America, so many years to take up all the land, so many years to take up all the uh, valuable assets, and then you want to put us on an even, pl even playing field. And that's just, you know, like Martin Luther King said, it's walking people into the fire. You want to give all these people uh, equality, but then at the same time, uh, the playing field isn't isn't leveled. You know, uh, if I give you a million dollars, Rick, to build up your build up your home and build up your area and I and I tell this immigrant, um, hey, here you go. Live on Rick's land. You know, who do you think is going to have more of a more of a. Uh, a foot to 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 be successful um you and your family will be more successful on your own land on your own terms on your own game and on the way that uh that white people set up america i mean the constitution was written it wasn't written for all it was written for the the the, the men in those room to to really to advance and you can see how how we've changed so many things, you know, women's writing, women's right to votes, blacks right to votes, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 um, so many different acts, equality acts that we've had to come up with, uh, to, to make things where we're at today. So does it sometimes you and I talked about this before just together, but, um, sometimes it feels to me like white people, um, we want to, I said this to um, um, Marty, who's going to join us in a little bit here too. Um, I, I said this to him and he goes, yeah, he says, we, we, we try to open, we try to open or break down doors for people to come through, but we always have to try to guide you through the door. Whereas you don't need help getting through the door. You just need us to get out of the way. Marty goes, why don't you just get out of the way and let us go through the door? Because mm -hmm. I think as white, as a white culture, we still want to take control of that. Does it feel like that to you? It feels like that to me. Definitely. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of scrutinization with anything that uh, people of color do. You know, it's, it's always who's right and who's wrong and uh, who's big and who's small. And it's just, when it comes down to, to, to it is that black folks want equal education opportunities. Uh, black folks want uh, equal job opportunities. And it sounds so easy when you think of, oh, affirmative action or, oh, this or, oh, that, and all these other things and guidelines they put in place, but it's not as easy as, as what people think. Um, as I stated before, you know, how many, how many people of color can really afford to go to these private schools that we have uh, going on right now? So if you have all these, pr oh, these so private I, schools, explain that, are, that explain that more. Well, I mean, think about that. Uh, people of color were never we we were never afforded the same opportunities when it came to having the same economical structure. When it came to having monetary funds and um, having the right uh, resources. When it came to water, all these others, all these other different elements play into play into this. And so when you develop these great schools, institutions that you can have um, our counterparts learning at, and then you charge extensively to learn at those institutions, and you're going to only allow the select few uh, people of color to go there. And who are those people of color? Those are uh, smarter Asians, uh, smarter African-Americans, uh, or people who can they can gain from uh, 
acad not academically, but from from sports initially. Hey, you can throw the ball really well, so we want you here. Hey, you can dribble the ball really well, so we want you here. Hey, you can do performing arts really well and dance, we want you here. But it's the uh, it's the uh, other ones who don't have uh, those skills that are stuck in mo most of the public schools. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that public schools are the worst thing in the world, um, but it, there's a clear difference between a private school and a public school and the public schooling jobs that people get networked and uh, grandfathered into. So Isaiah, here's another question I have, and I've seen some questions come up here and I'm kind of just looking through. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit um, about white privilege, because what I get really tired of as a white guy is when, when these conversations come up and I start, I say something and 99% of the time it's a white person throws me out of the conversation saying, well, that's because you have white privilege. And I'm, I'm tired of being discounted for something that I didn't create or do. And I, I would like to know more about it, but how am I, how am I going to be involved in this conversation if I get that all the time? You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I honestly hardly ever hear that from a black person, my, any people that I'm talking with. I normally hear that from white people. And I'm so I, I want to turn to them and say, well, you have the same fucking white privilege that I do. So well, how they certainly I, do. And, and, how, and what I what I love about white people is that they're really good at holding each other accountable unless it doesn't benefit them. Um, and that's something that that's a separate issue that maybe we need to talk about. But um I would say, like I said, white privilege has so many different meanings. And so I want to give you the best meaning from my perspective and not the full-blown African-American uh, community perspective. This is for probably some that agree with me as well. White privilege is just a, uh, when we look at it as, as a scale of America, like I said, it was, it was, it was meant to benefit people who were not immigrants, people who are not of color, um, when you take all the resources, when you, when you, when you set the bar uh, only to your expectation of where you, you think that people should go, white privilege is also based off of, um, it's kind of like membership, trial by error. And the thing is what I like to tell people is that white privilege isn't for all white people. Um, because when you think of someone in the, pro when you think of a white man or woman who is on TV, nicely dressed, college educated, you're going to say that they're white privileged. Now, when you think of a white man or woman that lives in the trailer park, drinks Mountain Dew, all the, all the, all the little, um, idiosyncrasies that go with, uh, being in a trailer park, uh, you're going to say they're white trash. So, like I said, I think it's a it's a it's a nuance of white people that have more money than than the others. So okay. it's it's hold that it's, thought. It's, there you are, Marty. <laughs> yeah, hello. I see Marty, you don't that's have Isaiah. Isaiah, that's Marty. Hey, Isaiah, how are How's you? Going, brother. Nice to meet you, man. So Marty, we're just talking about white privilege and I was telling, I was doing the same thing I talked with you earlier today. You and I had, had, had a little conversation. Um, right. So when, when white people come to me and discount me from the race conversation, which I find kind of humorous for, for being the same color and telling me I have white privilege, what you said, what do I say back to them? Uh, give me the definition of white privilege. 
what is yeah. your definition? And, and I, this is what I like. I told Ray, it's like literally they need to be asking. He needs anybody that throws that comment out to another white person. It's a white person to another white person saying, "Oh, you're just experiencing, or you have white privilege." The response should be, "What is your definition of white privilege?" And where did you learn that? Because I've never seen a school, a or a training program, or a certifying program that gives out diplomas on what or how to identify what white privilege is. It's subjective to that person that uses it. And it shouldn't always be used as a negative. So but is it really class or wealth privilege? Say that again? Is it really class or wealth privilege? Well, it, it can be, but it doesn't always necessarily have to be because like I was telling Rick, it's regional. You know, exactly. we're, here, we're here in the Pacific Northwest, and just because, just regionally, there's not a, a lot of black folks or people of color just where we are. So by that sheer definition of where we are, well, people that are white are going to have that privilege of not having the reason or any desire or need to investigate multiple cultures or multicultural environments because what's the need, right? right. But if you go further south and further and further west... Uh, yeah, absolutely. You're going to need to be very culturally in tune with the people around you and understanding those cultures around you. But as I was explaining to Rick earlier, I've got a friend who's a he's a national syndicated DJ in Minneapolis, and he wanted to actually take his radio show live, play Where's the Love all morning and give the folks a forum, the black folks in Minneapolis, a forum to be able to talk their feelings through the Craig to the Craig thing, the, the, the gentleman that was killed. Uh, the Ferguson, Craig Ferguson that was killed. He, he wanted to give them that forum to just speak their heart. Well, in a sense, he was using his white privileged position as a radio DJ to provide that forum. Right. Is that bad? By no, no means, it's not bad at all. So when that terminology is thrown around by someone who is not of minority status, it really is disserving is a disservice to what we're trying to do as far as bringing everybody together and understanding what can be done. How do we do that? You guys, I'm so tired of, I, I'm, I'm tired. You're super tired. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not affected by this. Like you are Marty tell people cause, cause Isaiah was talking, I asked him earlier about um, being pulled over and stuff like that. When you get up in the morning, you said you have to, you have to think yeah. about more than I do as a white yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally, it, I, the conversations that I have with people that try to get an idea of what I go through on the regular, that's different. And it, it, I say, you know, you've got your routine on a daily. You know, you get up, you, you know, have your cup of coffee, maybe read the paper, watch the news. You know, my life isn't much different. The only difference that I would add on top of that is I don't really have to sit in my car for a good five to ten minutes or before I leave the house and ground myself and think, I may not make it home today. Not because I think the, all police are bad or I think that I'm going to get shot. It's just the reality is there are some bad apples that are out there that don't understand how to enforce their position as law enforcement officials. They think the best way is to pull someone over, pull a gun and ask questions later. And, and that's just the nature of what I've gone through through the, the I guess the majority of my adult life. So does that happen? Does that happen here, though? Oh, it's happened here quite frequently. Yeah, I used to get pulled over in Bend. I used to work in in uh, Redmond, and I drove the same stretch from from Bend to Redmond every night, and I would get pulled over every time by the same, you know, sheriff every single time, going back and forth. 
I think he thought maybe I was drinking and driving. I don't know what the situation was, but it was always the same guy. And he would let me go. Okay, so hold on. I got a question. I got a question from somebody here. I'm going through them because some people are arguing. Um, I'm leaving those off your screen. <laughs> uh, Josh is Josh is not a black man. He has a black picture on there, but he is as white as I am. I'd like to drill down on the comment on regionalism from a minority perspective. Is there more interest in the melting pot or salad bowl approach to facilitating race relationships? And I don't know what either of those are. Me either. What does that mean? Isaiah, do you? I'm not sure either. <clears throat> okay, Josh, you're going to have to explain better. Yeah, elaborate a little bit on that. So yeah. you guys, when 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 this comes up, like, so white privilege is a huge, I mean, it's, it's coming up like that and it's making some people very angry. This is like, um, you know, it's, it's hitting a nerve with people. Um, how do we, uh, I don't know. You guys tell me I'm a white guy. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I don't even know what to ask you. Um, I just, I'm tired of all that. Um, I just want to, I, I, I want to use my white privilege to help you and, 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 and do what we can do to solve this. So what do we, what do you, um, is it bad to ask, what do you need? What do you want? Is that a bad thing? Um, no, I, I mean, go ahead, Isaiah. I was going to say no. I mean, I think you're the wrong person asking what we need and what. I think that we, we need the politicians and the people actually making uh, real decisions to ask us what we need and, and want, and then we can actually give 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 that answer in full perspective. But as I stated before, um, we were just, you know, like I said, America was built for white people. It, it, I mean, there's no way around it. I don't. I don't care what anybody has to say about that comment I just made. It's just this. This. This land was made to benefit white folks. And once we finally got kicked the door in and, and started making some real changes around the 60s, uh, people want to sit there and act like, uh, okay, well, you've had enough. It, it's not enough. There's still more barriers we have to leap over. There's still more mindsets we have to change. And um, I mean, me growing up here, I experienced more racism through our school system. More people wanted to, to test me by calling me black boy. More people wanted to wanted to test me by not allowing me to date their daughters. People saying they don't think it's right to interrace uh, uh, races, uh, stuff like that. And so I didn't really experience it uh, knowingly through the police or knowingly through uh, uh, different organizations like that. I experienced it more through your kids. Um, when when people wow. when rap songs would come on, they wanted to say the n word as loud as they want to. And, you know, it's just the word we invented it, so why can't I say it? And that that was the one thing that I went through through school that really disheartened me. Uh, all the kids that were like, we invented it, so we should be able to say it, and that was like the biggest uh, barrier for me to get over when I was growing up in the early two thousands uh, through four J school system. Was how do I mitigate all of that? Uh, what, what were you gonna say, Marty? I was just going to say really what it comes down to is for me and what I always try to do is I try to decrease the heat, take away the temperature because, and I think Isaiah will echo this, um, we don't necessarily in any given situation want a handout. We don't necessarily want you to give us something to give us something better. Right. We just don't want anybody to stand in our way while we're trying to get there. 
And to Isaiah's point, and this is the point I've made with just people from my own community, just from the black community, and Isaiah touched it beautifully. We we literally were hanging out in Africa doing our thing. You know, we're chilling. We're living like kings, just doing our thing, you know, out foraging, doing that stuff. And white folks came over and said, hey, you guys want to go on a cruise? We're like, a cruise? That sounds great. Let's go. Next thing you know, we're in the cotton fields. How did we get here? That wasn't our choice. They brought us here. And by the nature of bringing us into a whole new environment for a, a continent, for an environment, for a socialism that wasn't built for us, right. we were already behind. <clears throat> you know, the thing I keep hearing is, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And, you know, Dr. King had a very good uh, quote about pulling ourselves by our bootstraps. We can do that. But if we don't have the boots, <laughs> there's no bootstraps to pull up. So until people recognize the true separation, and it's not a matter of us trying to guilt you into submission by saying, look, look how bad it is. It's the acceptance. Because I was talking to Rick about this earlier. The only thing that's brought this to the forefront, the only thing, social media and freaking smartphones that have the ability to record stuff. Because I've been talking about this whole thing for decades before it's become so prevalent now. I mean, last year my life mattered. Well, before that, what happened? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the same stuff. But when it comes to diffusing and taking down the temperature, it's like I tell people, it comes down to intention. I, I have this thing that I try to pass to everyone that I work with everybody I talk to when it comes to how we see each other. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. But people's perception of what we say, what we do, and what we try to accomplish is 100% of their reality. We can't challenge it. We can't fight it. We can't argue it. We can shape it and guide it a little bit by having true intention. My intention is to take the temperature down, to bring some kind of collective understanding that, yeah, okay, I'm a different culture, you're a different culture. Our differences don't define us, they actually make us stronger. But for some reason, people see the differences and it's fighting. Like, if I hear the word the race card one more time, I'm gonna pull my hair out what I have left, because I don't even know what that card looks like. I mean, seriously, if somebody could give me an example of what the race card is, I would love to know. And usually I'll bring up a point that re uh, re relates to something in the black community and someone accuses me of pulling the race card. Like, but how is that the race card when it's having to do with the black community? So, okay, so here's a question. And I think that there's a lot of <laughs> white people. White. There's a lot of white right. people who feel this way. It somebody says it pisses me off when you call mm -hmm. white privilege because I fought for everything that I have. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a common one for poor, poor white people that aren't given the same circumstances from what I was saying with the classism um, earlier when it came to people who are uh, born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Now, there's all races that have silver spoons born, um, but it's predominantly white. Uh, like I said, white privilege is, is it, the definition is different to everybody else. And it could be different on circumstances. I mean, you could be given afforded different opportunities and, and special, uh, you know, in a classroom, uh, a, a white person might look at a, a white teacher might look at a white kid and, and give them more benefit of the doubt because, because of them being white. And you may never know it. You may never know it. You know, they might just throw my, my, black behind out because I'm 
causing an issue from X, Y, and Z. And so, like I said, I think it's just uh, a lot of people have a lot of under, uh, tough time understanding what white privilege is if they were they grew up poor and they had to fight and scrap for everything they got, um, just like most of us p- people of color. Uh, and so they they scratch their head and say, how how do I how am I privileged? How am I this? Well, like I said, we we were built on a country that was for that, that benefited white folks. So I wanted to put Dave Villanueva, he's a friend of mine, his comment up here because Dave, I love that. It is, I, I would never say I understand how you feel, but I don't like being stereotyped as a white person. Just like you don't like being stereotyped like a black person. I'm not pointing that at you, I'm pointing that at me. That's like a revelation for me. Do you, does that make sense to you guys? Do you understand what I'm saying? Not really, what do you mean? I just mean, I've never thought of myself as going, oh wait, now I'm being stereotyped. Like you're always stereotyped as a black man. Now well, I mean, so I feel I, I I like this because I understand something. Does that make sense? Yeah, but here's the thing: stereotypes have been around since we recognize that we were all different people. I mean, I've lived stereotypes since I was old enough to speak my words out of my mouth. I mean, literally, people will walk up to me. People don't look at me and go, "Oh, Marty, I didn't know you were you're like two steps away from a doctorate." No, they look at a big, bald black man with earrings. They want to ask for a joint. I mean, seriously, they don't know my educational background. They don't know my professionalism. They don't know what I've been through. Stereotypes are just a modern point or just a natural progression of our society. And they're always going to be there. But the point I always want to go to is because of our society and the language that we speak, we all speak English. Every word has another meaning. We are the only people on this planet that take the English language and bastardize it and put different meanings to different words. It's, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. We actually speak a dramatic language and we break every rule that's put to that language and we'll come up with different definitions for every word. Oh, so God, yeah. Of angry, instead of getting angry over what someone else is trying to put as a definition of what they think that should be, change it. You don't have to settle for what their definition is. Because again, what makes someone in the authority to come to you and say you have white privilege? Right. What does that mean? Are you are you an authority on white privilege? Did you get your doctorate in white privilege? What makes you the person to tell me that I'm white privileged? And what does that mean exactly? Because to break down and react to it, that's like me reacting to the N-word. I stopped doing that in junior high school because it's always going to be there. Right. It's always going to be there. Literally, so do you think, throw it out there. Do you think that maybe that, that our differences aren't as uh, monumental as culture makes them out to be? And maybe that we're just getting lost in, in verbiage and that's what's keeping it. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that this isn't an issue. That's not my point at all. I'm just saying that I, I feel like we're a lot closer than we are and we need to do this. So that people can, you know, like, like rub elbows with people. And I mean, I, I just think the, the a, a ton of Isaiah and, and cause he stands up and says, you know, I mean, I remember with the first, when I interviewed you and I don't know this, tell me if this is true. It's not like you lie, but you know, but we had that conversation when you, after the riots and stuff, you said the original name to black lives matters was black lives matters too. And they took the two off. 
Is that true? Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> so I actually did go back and look and that was not true. I heard oh. that from someone else that uh, was quoting on CNN um, a while ago when Black Lives Matter first uh, came into effect. But like I said, it was a whole quote of, we need to live in a society. And this part is true. We need to live in a society where black lives matter. And then they shorted it to black lives matter. And so to me, I heard uh, someone saying, we need to live in a world where black lives matter too. And they took the two off. So I did go back. I did. I felt bad about all of that. No, it's okay. I said correct that. But if I could paraphrase it, that's where I would paraphrase it too, is where black lives can matter too as, as well. Because that's another one that just gets everybody, they get focused on that, just like, you know, and then anytime somebody says, well, all lives matter, then all of a sudden now I'm racist because I'm saying that, that somehow that takes away from Black Lives Matters too. It's just, I think it's it just- is because they're not seeing the point. They're not right. seeing they're the missing. point of what we're trying to fight for. You right. know, it's like, hey, uh, instead of Black Lives, let's change it to all lives matter. Well, then if it was all lives matter, then get into the street and, and be outraged with us instead of fighting against us and saying that we're X, Y, and Z. You know, I understand nobody wants to be a part of looting. No, wants to be, no one wants to be a part of burning. Uh, okay, I get all of that. So let's draw the line there. Let's come together and say, hey, you know, our people are being treated unfairly. Um, people are being stereotyped in the streets. When you see a black man with a do rag walking around, and it's uh, you know, there's a he's a suspicious character versus somebody who's maybe in a flannel shirt that that is looks white and innocent. I mean, that's just the perception and reality. Most people look at people of uh, that aren't of color as innocent, and most people see people that are black as as uh, suspicious or scary. And I'm not saying that you're. I'm not saying, oh, I've never felt like that. I've never looked at a black man and thought he was suspicious at all. So it's just like, hold on, pump the brakes. You know, stereotypes are real. People do look at certain individuals like they are less than or like they are uneducated or like they do have uh, suspicious tendencies going around. You know, I mean, I even I, I stereotype myself uh, as a as a black man, you know, um, uh, not not knowingly. You know, especially when I have kids, if I see a, a group of individuals that don't look like they they could be trustworthy around my daughter, I don't want my daughter around them. And yeah, I said, we, I think we, we all, all we all do, do that. that. I mean, because we yeah, do that. We all people, look do that. at people that live in 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 lower income places, and people now they call them trailer trash. And I mean, we have that with everything. How do we? Is this a bigger issue than that? I don't know. What do we do? I feel like it's it's only as big as we make it. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. And I think having these conversations, they are tough conversations. You know, we, by uh, just human nature, we're consistently ready to label something or villainize something versus let's come to an understanding that we understand something. It's, it's never just enough to just say, okay, I, I understand. But who said that? Who said that it's not enough to understand? It's like, okay, you understand now it's your fault. And I, you know, I will take responsibility for those negative voices in my community that put that shame on people that aren't black and say, well, it's your fault. That is a problem. And I try to knock that down when I hear it, because no, it, there's not a matter of placing blame at this point. Right. It's a matter of solutions at this point, because right. all the stuff we're feeling today is all from decades ago. <laughs> right. It's right. not from today. It's from decades ago. This is the byproduct. And if we continue to live in the byproduct of what's happened in the past, exactly. 
we're never going to get anywhere. I right, mean, exactly. we can set the tone, we can set the tenor, but when I see people say, well, I get, I get ticked off because I hear this, I get ticked off because I hear that. Yeah, you know what? As long as you let the word right. define your emotions, then you're never going to get over it. So it's your choice how you, just like life, it's my choice how I respond to that. Correct. And you know, it's my, yeah, because like I said, I told you earlier, it's like, for me, I, yeah, I, I used to be a cop. I've got friends that are cops. Does that mean I'm not afraid of them? No, I am afraid. I do get a little worried from time to time. But I set up, I talked to the former chief of police at one point in time, and I told him, you know, it's interesting, black men and cops have something in common. We have actually have a lot in common. We're both minority groups that affect the larger majority of the population, right? We both have you know, that ability to have, you know, did you see a cop, you're going to stop what you're doing. You, you see a black person, you're like, oh, what are they doing? They got a do-rag, you know, whatever. We both have smaller parts of our minority. Some are bad apples that make us look bad all the way around. There's some really bad cops. There's some really bad black folks. Does that mean that everybody's bad? Right. No, it doesn't. But we have so much and more in common than we can even imagine. And if we can find the similarities, yeah. then sh Jesus, we should be able to work together. Yeah. But as long as we're constantly trying to point the finger and get defensive and want to fight things off, it's never going to get any further than this word made me mad. Oh, okay. It's it, it's acceptance. You know, uh, yeah. I think it starts with acceptance. Like I said, growing up, there was a lot of things that I wasn't accepted for and I was accepted for. And I think that, uh, no, not that I think I see, I've seen and heard so many things that were disheartening to me that, uh, a, a woman was saying, Hey, uh, my, my daughter was going to the university of Utah and she was dating a black man on the, on the football team. And I was so mad at my daughter because black men are abusive, black men are this. And this was a conversation I was overhearing in high school. And like I said, I, what I, what I want is I want white people holding other white people accountable, calling it out. This is not okay. That is not okay. Yeah. Not not putting placing everyone into a box because if we did, I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you, Rick. Because yeah. I've known some blatant white white racist people that are just like my God, and I've seen it on the black side too. Uh, that are, that are very prejudiced when it comes to to X, Y, and Z but it's accountability and it's acceptance and it's opening up your heart to, to new experiences when it comes to that, because we can all make the world great, but it's, it's tough. It wouldn't is it tough help? because there. Wouldn't it kind of help to, if to me in the white community, if you want to stand up for a black person, give them, give them the power and quit picking. I mean, cause when, when I just get so irritated with white people telling me what I'm doing, when it's like, you know what? None of my black friends say that to me. None of them. They all see my heart. They know who I am. They know what I'm trying to do. And they give me a break. I, I hate nothing more than for a white person to try to call me out because I'm asking a real question than to just answer the question. And I did learn from you, Marty, how I'm going to do that because they won't know what the shit to do. <laughs> when I, when I, what's your definition? They're going to give me the one I read on Webster or on Wikipedia, which is, which is pretty far out, you know? Um, but see, that's the whole thing. I think you're right. I think you guys are so right. It's about relationship. It's about connecting. It's about getting, if you don't understand a group of people, then hang out with them more. Right. You know, 
go around and find out what you can do to be part of the solution. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, and it's, it's I think people need to ask themselves a question, you know, yeah. I think the question is this, whether you're, whether you're male or female, whether you can have kids or whether you do have kids, would I want my son or daughter, whichever race they are to be with the opposite race? And if you find an issue with that, then you need to reevaluate yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people will not do that. I see a lot of different families that are kind of nudging, nudging their family. I want you to go this way, you know, without it's saying it without saying it. And, and so, I, like I said, there, there is, there are people who have issues with that. There are people that have a major issue. They don't want my black behind on their couch. Yada, yada, well, yada. I, when they should have been I, with, when they should have been with Ryan Reynolds, not I Denzel. Think something you touched on too is, you know, accountability. Cause I see people just turn their heads one too many times. I didn't say it, so I'm not going to worry about it. It's not me doing it, so why should I worry about it? I know I I don't see you know color. Or I don't worry about it so much, so I'm not going to really. It's not me. It's obviously them. No, that's not the way to approach it. You know, the way to approach it is you see it, you call it out. When I used to ride the bus when I was back in Denver, going to school, taking the city bus down to classes down at CU Denver, and I'd see a gaggle of black kids get on the bus and go to the back. I would walk back there and I would talk to them and say, do you know how many people got beaten? Right. So you didn't have to sit back here. Right. Do you understand what message you're sending? There was a time when I met with a, a, a group of black men on campus and they were in there doing the, the ad, this the normal meeting, talking about how we could advance ourselves, but it wasn't too long before it turned to what the white man did to us and how we need to do these things and how we need to go this far. And I ended up, calling them all higher. I said, I asked everybody in the room, there are like 70, 80 men in this room. I said, how many of you in here have pulled our upperclassmen? I'd say three fourths of the room raised their hand. I said, out of you upperclassmen, how many of you have pulled an internship or know what you're going to do when you graduate? Three people raised their hand. I will never forget. And I said, you guys are sitting here talking about what the white person owes us. And the majority of you are upperclassmen. You know, we have all these younger brothers coming up and we're not showing them what to do. If we can't do it for ourselves and hold ourselves accountable, we can't go out and point our finger at somebody else. Right. So the whole mindset of accountability is just that much more important. And we cannot be afraid to have those hard conversations. I, I, I tell people what I love about being up here in the Pacific Northwest is the same thing I hate about being up here in the Pacific Northwest. I call it the passive aggressive Pacific Northwest two-step. Nobody wants to be in somebody's face saying something specific. I get in trouble all the time for it. But when it comes to these type of issues, you will sit and stew on it and it'll get much bigger until somebody has these types of conversations. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't going to ever understand because, uh, and this is something that people will always jump on me about because they say, why, why will a man ever think it's okay to think, to talk about women on women's behalf, but I, I have to say this, you know, a man will never understand what it's like to be a woman. Right. You know, just like a, a, a white guy, white, white people don't understand what it's like to be a, a person of color. Um, like I, like I was trying to, uh, and now give you that analogy earlier with, uh, with the Asian community, you know, they really got their first taste of what it's like to be a minority, um, um, in the sense, in the sense of people looking down upon you because they think that, the Chinese virus, you brought it here. Oh, get away. Oh, do this. Oh, do that. 
I'm not saying that Asian people have never experienced a not experience uh, racism or anything like that, but I'm saying they got that real taste once everyone's kind of, are they coughing? Did they bring it here? Did they do this? And and so it's just like, it's the same for black people, you know, in a, in, in a sense. So like I said, you know, there's, there's certain things in this world we will never understand, but we got to sit back, listen, and try to empathize with. Right. You know, that's my wife and I talked about this the other day. My son's girlfriend is my oldest son is she's Asian. And she was saying that since COVID, um, she gets dirty looks from people. And and, you know, so here's my kid's um, girlfriend It's probably going to be his wife. And I love this girl. And I'm like, who the fuck is looking at you like that? You don't get to do that. And I think that's just that's craziness. Um, But it's what it's how we as human beings we do this. And I think we just have to stop. I, I, um, oh my, I love this conversation. Um, you guys are awesome. And, and well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be having more of them. I'm having no, more. No, no. Oh, and so am I, cause I want people to know I've had, I have, since people know I've been doing this, I'm doing another one later this month with another group of black gentlemen. And I'm trying to get them to bring some women into the picture. Um, I've also had calls from the Asian community. I've also had calls from the Latino community and they all want to do something like this too. And we will make that happen. Yeah. Because I, I would say it's very important to make sure you have women of color, very important to make sure you specifically have black women because black women really know what <clears throat> our culture went through when we were being locked up and they weren't able to vote and they had no rights and they had to sit there at home trying to figure out what they can do for their man um, while, while we were locked in chains essentially with, with no rights, you know? And so uh, um, look no further than a black woman to give you uh, the real education behind this because uh, they know they know my grandmother, she knows. And it's, uh, it's really daunting to hear some of the stories of what they had to go through. Isaiah, I want to get Josh. I, I think you're treading on something here, but I want Isaiah to see this so you can answer it. So you don't go back later. He says, are you saying that trans women can't be a full woman or can't experience life as a woman? That's, I, that has nothing oh, to do with what you said. No, no. I, you see, that's what I'm saying. Don't, don't Josh, flip don't, or twist my words. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. This wasn't a trans, uh, I, I trans conversation. Right. You know, I, I, what I was trying to touch on <laughs> was that men who are men who aren't trans women, men who are men that, that identify as men will not know what women are going through. And that's just a fact of life. Right. And we John, won't. I don't know what it's like to walk out of the street and think I'm going to be raped. I don't know what it's like to, to live in a, in a society dominated by men. I know what it's like as a man to be in a society dominating uh, 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 this society. I know what it's like. I can speak on my own behalf when it comes and, to that. And so. So Josh, you're a friend of mine. And so I'm going to call you on this one because this is what in conversations like this, there's another way to ask that in a kind way that doesn't try to, to zing him. And when, when people do zingers like that, you're bringing in, you're, you're taking apples and oranges and bringing them in. And then it just throws the conversation in a wrong way. And you're not normally like that. And I am going to call you out on that because I don't think that's fair. And that's what stops us from having these fucking conversations. Yeah. When people do that. Yeah. And when we when we nitpick and pull out little shit that that's our cause and we do that. And I'm sorry, Josh, I know you're a good friend of mine, but you know what? That's just that. No. And there's a nicer way to ask that. Hey, what about if you're a trans woman? Could do you think that they could experience? Something? There's another way to do that. 
But this is what key, this is what stops us from having these conversations is when we pick little pieces apart. And this is why I was so afraid to do this, um, because I don't I hate waking up tomorrow morning and seeing all the fucking comments that have to come on here to tell me that you said this wrong and it's not white people and it's not black people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We came on last time after we did our show and said they're African-Americans, not black. And I went, no, 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 no. You need to catch up. And it's. It's they're not from Africa. They're a black American. They were born in American and they're black. I would always say the best way to handle that is exactly how you handled it, Rick, is ask. Never make the assumption of what to label another African American. Right. Because you never know. And I right. always have to say it's the same with everybody, people with disabilities. I hate that name. So it's people with different abilities, someone who experiences Down syndrome, a white guy. I, I am a white guy. I don't mind being called. I like that better than Caucasian. Caucasian sounds like I'm kind of like uh, cocky. And Asian. Yeah, <laughs> I am. So maybe I'm more Caucasian than white. I don't know. But anyway, um, again, Josh, I'm sorry for picking on you. But um, yeah, well, it's, it's important because, you know, that's that's what has prompted me to do my conversations every Friday of this month, because I literally don't do a lot of political stuff on Facebook. I try to stay out of the fray of, of, of baiting people into things. But two weeks in a row, I recognized two black leaders or two black people that did some pretty amazing things. First was Eugene Goodman, the black cop, the Capitol Hill cop that actually led the protesters away from the chambers and saved some lives. I recognized him. I got trolled by somebody and I was like, what are you talking about? He did this and that. Well, why they were telling me that he wasn't a hero. And I got accused of playing the race card because I was recognizing him for being a hero. Then the next week when Kamala Harris is getting sworn in, I recognized her as being an African-American woman being president. president. And I got accused of Playing the race card because she's being. I'm like, well, how does that work? I mean, it's literally. <laughs> she, these are my that playing card? she is black and she is a woman and she right. is vice president. So I, I agree with that. It's just like, why look for a fight? And that's why I made the point with on my on my own personal page. I said, look, pick your battles. It's okay to to say something controversial, but if you're saying it just for the sake of just starting a fight, think about who you're fighting with. Because we have been fighting for a really long time. And is it really necessary? Is it yeah, trolling or adding fuel to the fire, incitation yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just you, unnecessary. And you guys are too awesome to not have part of our community and be a part of my life. And, and I want to grow. I don't want to be a white guy who does any of that shit that you were talking about. I, I want to, you know, I, I, I don't want to get in the way. I want to be out of the way. I want, and, you know, also, what people I think people need to also realize, from my point of view, I don't I don't want to speak for everyone, but white privilege doesn't mean white all white people are are, are are bad. You know that that's not what we're trying to say here. You know we we wouldn't we wouldn't be here if white people weren't able to change their mind. If if white people weren't able to empathize and see what what certain things that were happening were wrong, and then obviously you know. Our, our advocates and, and our uprising being able to, to to help make that ball roll. So it takes both sides right. to really come together, to be able to be here to have this conversation. I'm as thankful for the, the original Walter White that started the NAACP with W.E.B. Dubois um, as, 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 as anybody else is. So that's the way I look at it. I wouldn't be here if my dad wasn't white. You know, that that's what makes me. 
So, you know, let's, let's stop thinking that white privilege in, instantly means that you're a terrorist or there's some target on your back or you have to have some white guilt about this or that or that. You know, it's, it's more or less that this country wasn't built for uh for minorities, for people of color, it was built to really keep the circle of, of, of white dominance going. And, you know, and too many times in instances, we don't have the same situations, as I stated with private schools. There's not there's not a bunch of black people going to private schools. There's it, the the numbers will outweigh and they'll show, you know, the, the type of opportunities that we're getting. You know, uh, how many people are, are in uh private schools when it comes to colleges that are that aren't of color you know and anybody will tell you that goes to harvard or that goes to yale or any of these other fine institutions that these people are telling teaching people how to how to take over the world and right. so when you don't have too many people of color doing that and then you see the people that are of color that that have been in high positions went to those institutions you know obama became the president but also he was he went to harvard you know, he went to some of these institutions. So, like I say, you know, once we start getting those, once we start getting our foot through those doors, we start breaking barriers. Frederick Doug, Frederick Douglass, you know, all the, uh, we can go down the list of anybody that gets those type of schooling that we get to start actually breaking those barriers down at the highest level. Now, I'm not talking about, the, I went to U of O and yada, yada, yada. Yes, of course, you're going to be able to make things happen. It's, it's much harder, but you can, but I'm just saying. You know, these institutions really make up um, some of the some of how the money is getting spread around. So so one of the things somebody came on here said is <clears throat> so white privilege is primarily used in a derogatory way. That's how. But but yes. I want to Chelsea, I want to see if, if it's the same for you. <clears throat> I have never had a black American use white privilege to describe to put me down at all in a derogatory way ever. It's been an explanation like this. I've had more than my share of white people use white privilege to try to shut me down or make their point. So I'm learning- and everything, everything's got to be Mississippi burning to them. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't have to be that. They're looking for blatant racism. They're looking for uh, you boys, go ahead and get out of here. We're going to handle these colored boys. That's what they're, they're looking for instances like that to say, there's your white privilege. And that's not that I don't think that that's necessarily what white privilege is about. It's not about being at the wrong place at the wrong time and saying, oh, well, since he's black, you know, he doesn't have any black privilege, privilege here like the white people do. I mean, even though it can be true, I'm just saying in everyday life instances, what white privilege means to me is that you guys had a 500 year start of America and we're finally just getting the proper edge. I mean, we were how many years were we held from proper education? Right. You know, till the till the sixties when the segregation was going on, and we can go to the same schools. And even then, we were we went we were catching hell. Right. So you expect all all of a, a lot of people, a nation of of African Americans, of immigrants who weren't educated, who are finally getting educated, who are finally having their their children go and getting this getting educated. It's it's tough in a society where, like I said, we didn't have any of the same opportunities we were that, that our counterparts have. And now that we're starting to get those opportunities and break barriers, we're saying, hey, look, this is what white privilege has around us. They have, they, they've set up the world to, to benefit them. 
property value. Here's the where the highest property value is, where all the white people live. Where's the lower property value? In the inner cities, where the black people live, where people don't want to go, where there's race wars, where there's police brutality, where's, where there's uh, negative connotation all around us, where there's images and, and things that, that are showing us to either hate ourselves or get your money and buy materialized things and don't focus on what's real around us. Right. Like well, owning about, land, fighting over invisible land that we don't own, that white right. people own. And I think, anybody, I think anybody using white privilege that is white, and you know, I, I was thinking about this, it, it tends to be in my brain kind of like a version of musical chairs. Nobody wants to be left standing. You know, everybody wants to be able to be in that seat saying, okay, I'm going to use this white privilege term. I don't want to be the only one standing and being caught, right? So I'm just going to use it. <laughs> You know, there is truly in my brain, in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, if someone can, it's like, it's just like I said with the whole Black Lives Matters. And it's like, when that started up again, my whole heart behind that is Black Lives Matters and, because there's got to be something that comes with that after that sentence. I mean, yeah. you just can't stop there. So white privilege means so when people are using it as that derogatory it's to me it's like musical chairs nobody wants to get left be the last one to say it so i'm going to say it first there got it out i beat you and do they really understand the implications behind it are they really understanding because to me another response would be okay so if i've got white privilege help me Help me not have white privilege. What would you suggest I do differently? Right. Or use your white privilege. Ask That's you, true. how yeah. can I use my white privilege to, to, to help break down these walls? Exactly. Because get the hell out of your way. I guarantee they'll be like, what? Yeah, so because the next time somebody says, well, that's because you have white privilege. Well, and I'm trying to use that white privilege to help the, to help people. What are you doing? Exactly. So, to, and like I said, that's that's where I think me and a lot of people um, disagree because I think it's more of a class issue. I really think that once uh, once the once the jig was up and, and Martin Luther King was was getting everybody liberated and people were starting to mix and intertwine, he was starting to go off to the class issue after the fact that you know we don't have the same opportunities as most have, and I think that some white people left other white people behind. They said, look, we'll, we'll keep, these white people aren't good enough to be where we are at being an elite. And so we'll leave them in the dark. And that's kind of a goes to Edwards, Edwin's point. But like I said, the people who aren't born with the silver spoons in their mouth that feel like, hey, look, we're right here with you. Right. But at the same time, we can't get under Black Lives Matter because that's complete BS. All no. of our lives why does why should only your life matter right. and you know and like i said like i try to see both sides and empathize to the point but what black people are really trying to say there's been a race war that's been going on for years and it's really in, a, in the inner city was where you really truly find those race wars and then obviously on the outbound on the outbound it's so disguised that it's so hard to really uh, peel back all the parts to the onion uh, of this race war well, I've, I've seen it everywhere. I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I mean, I've been in the right. inner city, I've been in the burbs, I've been overseas. It is everywhere. I'm not going to disagree right. with you being in a class mindset. I definitely don't disagree with that. My whole perspective is just taking that energy and that power away from that phrase, white privilege, because 
the issue truly is class, not those words. Those words mean nothing to me. You know, to exactly. identify I'm someone good. to me and say, well, Marty, they have white privilege. And <laughs> but if you're talking, if you're just if you're describing a very clear class disparity, uh, absolutely. Let's figure out how we get to some some kind of equity in society. How do we do that? You know, give me some solutions or some suggestions. Otherwise, you're just throwing monikers and, and term terminology around to hold people down, to distract from what the issue is. And that is what's happened over the last year. So, Marty, real quick, because we got to wrap this thing up. You okay. um, this time, this time. Um, but you tell people where they can find you for this other conversation on Fridays. I'm going to put, can I, if I just put that in chat, does that go to everybody? Yeah, you can put it in the comment section and just type it in. I just so, type it in right now. Do you see it? No, you got to, you got to type it in and then, then hit. I hit send. So yeah, there. I see it, Marty. Oh, okay. See you see it? Okay. Yeah. yeah so this Friday, this Friday, I've got a, it actually is going to be every Friday of the month. I'm going to be doing two live talks basically discussing exactly what we're talking about right here. I really want to make sure that I have an open forum for people to actually talk about what we're talking about and give them a chance to just get some things, not necessarily squared away in my mind, but squared away in theirs, because the reality is we need to talk about it. So what I really want people to do is be able to just log in, find a time. It's going to be about an hour long, open forum, we're going to talk about some of the issues, some of the terminology, and primarily just, again, keep the dialogue open. There's going to be a 4.30 time and a 7.30 time every Friday for the rest of the month. I'd love to see you guys there. All right. Isaiah, my yes, friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. My brother, man. Thank, thank like you. I said, if I could just speak my piece real quick, I just hope that this turns in from uh, from Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. I hope it turns into an Equality Matters war and, and just saying, hey, we want we, we see everybody's issues. We hear everybody out. Now, what, 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 what can we do to change? What does that look like? Police accountability. Um, what does that look like? Everybody being accountable, everybody learning how uh, acceptance truly works as well. Um, and so, like I said, you know, this, this is a long conversation. But uh, I appreciate you having us on to have it. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Oh, my, it's my pleasure. And it's not going to end. We're going to do more of this. And uh, uh, Marty, also, uh, Sean Vieira asked if you would put the link to that in the comment section when you get time. Just link it, you know, copy and paste the link to your where, you're, where it's going to be, and then just shove it in that comment section. Okay. I'm in the comment section trying to do it. Oh, do I have to log in? I'm going to let you figure that out on your own. All right. <laughs> I've never used this format before, so I'm very confused. Very okay. confused. Just go in like your, you can go in Facebook after this is on. Just put it back in the comment section on Facebook. Oh, okay. Very good. I'll do that. All right. Gentlemen, All right. thank you. I appreciate All right. you. All right. Okay. I'm going to pull you guys Happy out. Happy Black History Month. There you go. Well, man, that was good. Isaiah, thank you. Marty, thank you. And all of you guys, I didn't read all your comments. I can go back there um, and look at them later. Um, but again, I want to thank Buck Sanitary Service for sponsoring our show. Um, I have some great uh, sponsors. Um, they really let me do what I feel like I need to do. And um, 
if you're somebody out there, <clears throat> I've had five people call me this week to want to sponsor shows. If you're somebody out there and you like what we're doing and you just feel like the community needs this, <clears throat> and you'd like to sponsor something, get a hold of me and um, I can talk to you about it. I had a mortician call me today and I am so damn excited. I've always wanted to have a mortician for a client. And, uh, and we're going to do some really cool stuff that will be, uh, you guys will really learn some stuff from always pushing the edge. And we will have more. We're having another show later this month. I've already talked to some black gentlemen and, and they're getting me a woman too, to come on. And we're going to come on and talk about that. And then uh, people in the Asian community and the Latino community, get a hold of me, email me, rick at rickdancer.com. All right. Share this on your page. That's a great way to get this message out to other people so they can see what happened. Marty just put that on there. Um, there is the, the link to get to that. And uh, I'm Rick Dancer and I really appreciate um, you. Good night.